The beauty of surrender is that God's paying attention and listening, that he cares about us. Whatever we're carrying, he cares about. This morning when I was in here walking through and praying as I do every Sunday morning, just so you know, you've been prayed for already today because I prayed over every chair in here. I didn't know who was going to be sitting there, but God did. So God's already come here expecting you and praying for you. I prayed for those who are tuning in online. Not anything magical about my prayers, but there's something supernatural about the one I pray to. That's why we pray. Not for our words, but for his touch, for his will, for his movement among us this morning. To surrender is to surrender it all, everything, the good and the bad. To surrender who we are and who we hope to be. To surrender not by giving up, but by getting all that he has for us. Satan tries to make you believe that you're giving up things. And he ignores what you're receiving from Almighty God. Who loves you, who knows you by name. And doesn't just know your name, he knows your needs. Whatever you came in with this morning. This morning we're going to be taking a look at two verses of scripture. In the New Testament, in the book of 1 Peter. It's toward the end of the, of the Bible. There's only like six books after it. And if you get to 2 Peter, remarkably it's the one right in front of that. <laughs> this morning what we're looking at is every week this Year We're looking at that it's time to something we need to do. This morning, it's time to be united. There's never been a time in our world where there needs to be more unity than there is now. There might be some that were equal to it, but none that were greater. It's time to be united in a church body. In family units, in friendships, in our community. And the one thing I can tell you as we go through this this morning is I have absolutely no idea if I'm going to fill in all the blanks or not. Oh, I prepared them, I studied them, I worked on it all week, and this morning it's just like we may or may not get through these blanks. I don't know about you, but one of the great memories I have from vacation Bible schools, from church camps, from community activities, from church picnics, is we almost always used to do tug of war. You get the big rope, you tie some kind of a flag or a piece of tape right in the middle of it. And of course, we all on each side want to make sure that it's an equal thing. I don't know about the churches that you were a part of, but I was a part of some where guys pulled out their tape measures to make sure that one side didn't have an advantage over the other. But maybe that was just an Indiana thing. 
But what I noticed that universally was true in tug of war, it wasn't always the team with the strongest people who won, though that didn't hurt. It wasn't always even the team with the most people, though it was supposed to be equal, it wasn't always. The team that won always was the team that were all pulling in the same direction and pulling together. In fact, they usually had a rhythm to it. Sometimes they had a cut. Well, they always had coaches, people who weren't participating, who thought they knew how we should do it. But there often was even someone designated who was giving them a timing of when to pull so that they were not all just pulling in the same direction, but they were pulling at the same time. And that team always won because... They were united. Imagine what could happen if we got united. United in purpose. United in vision. Not in position. Not in action. But united in the purpose of what God has called us to. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It says, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. And I want to read this to you. I, I invite you, if you've got phone, the, the Bible app on your phone, just sometime today, go through a whole bunch of different versions of this. One of my favorites as I was researching this this week is from the Amplified Bible. It says, finally, all of you be like-minded, united in spirit. Be sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, courteous, and compassionate toward each other as members of one household and humble in spirit. And never return evil for evil or insult for insult. In fact, avoid scolding, berating, and any kind of abuse. But on the contrary, give a blessing. Pray for one another's well-being, contentment, and protection. For you have been called for this very purpose. That you might inherit a blessing from God that brings well-being, happiness, and protection. It's time to be united. Interesting book, First Peter. The book was... Written, the goal of the book was to encourage and urge followers of Christ who had been scattered, some on purpose, some through persecution, urging them to stand strong and to be patient, urging them to be hopeful in all holiness, encouraging them in the face of persecution and mistreatment. 
This book is in fact sometimes called the epistle of hope or the epistle of courage or the epistle of hope and glory or the epistle of holy living. We'll just call it 1 Peter. But it emphasizes that holiness of life is more important than deliverance. I don't know about you, but I find myself quite often praying for deliverance from difficult things. Not for the strength to get through them. Anybody relate? I generally pray, Lord, take me out of this or take it away rather than help me learn in this. I'm working on it. But being honest, my first prayer is generally, eh, get this away from me. And that's the greatest opportunity for unity we will ever face is when things are chaotic and difficult because that's when it stands out. Now, unity or being united can have a lot of different meanings. And let me give you what I'm thinking my thought is being united is being of one mind, but not necessarily one method. Of one mind, but not necessarily all doing the same. Being united is being compassionate with one another, but not necessarily in agreement on all things. To which every married couple said, Amen. Being united is being thoughtful and tender-hearted with one another, even while sometimes correcting in love. Being united is being kind to one another and showing respect, regardless of age, regardless of position, regardless of ethnicity or financial status. Being kind to one another. Being united is being a family. The family of Christ followers. And seeking to keep enlarging the family. I like what being united is. Even if I sometimes struggle to do it. I need to remember what it is. And it makes it easier to do what I need to do. We need to be united. Sadly, in our culture today, the church world, those who claim to be followers of Christ worldwide are too often known for our disunity instead of our unity. Our dysfunction rather than our function. It's time to be united. Notice it didn't mean in agreement in all things. If there's two of us, we're likely to have a disagreement. I found when there's one of me, I sometimes have a disagreement. Kind of reminds me of the story I heard of the guy who got shipwrecked out by himself sailing. And he got shipwrecked and swam to a little island that he saw. And there was literally no one on the island. 
He was on there for years, surviving. Finally, some boat happened to see him and the evidence of him on the island stopped and rescued him. And they looked and they said, well, where are the other people? And he said, there's nobody, just me. He said, yeah, but I see three structures there. He said, oh, one of them's my house. The one next to it's my church. I said, well, what's that third one? He said, that used to be my church. <laughs> How true is that? It's time to be united. Not just for the sake of saying we're united, but to literally unite our hearts and minds together for the will, call, and purpose of God. Above everything else. Above personal comfort. One of the neat things that's been happening around here lately is we're seeing growth and as new people are coming, as some of you have had to sit in a different place. I love it. Although it does make it hard for me to know you were here. See, being united is not seeking personal comfort, but what's best for the body. When I do weddings and do premarital counseling and almost always in the wedding ceremony, I, I talk some about this thing of unity and that looking for what's best for the other above themselves. And if both of them are doing that, they will seek what's best for them. In fact, what's awesome is when you see them trying to outdo each other and seeking what's best for the other. The same holds true in a church. To be seeking what's best for the one by me, not just me. It's too cold in here. Oh, no, it's too hot in here. Guess what? We're never going to agree on that. Some of y'all are wrong. But to be united about what God has called us to. The music's too loud. Oh, it's too soft. We're never going to agree. Don't you kind of wonder how loud it's going to be in heaven? <laughs> to be united. What if we were known for our unity? Our unity and love for Christ. Our unity and love for Christ that therefore translates into our love for our community, our neighbors. Even the ones we don't like. To be united. So if it's time to be united, how do we do it? It starts first and foremost with being united with Christ. It has to start here. Finally, verse 8 says, All of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, tender heart, humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called. Who were we called by? By God our Father, Christ his Son. 
If they've called us to this, we should pay attention to this. And it starts with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That is first and foremost. We are not going to be united if we haven't started with that relationship. It's what's most important. It's more important than church attendance, though I keep track. It's more important than anything else. It matters. I love when I notice that somebody notices whether somebody is in a right relationship with Christ. Not by being nosy or putting someone down, but that they care enough to be burdened and praying for somebody who doesn't know Jesus as their personal Savior, including their own kids or spouse, or parents, or grandkids. Rather than assuming or pretending, praying for that and seeking that. That's what was so often three weeks ago when we had our baptism service to hear those testimonies. At different ages, they came to faith in Christ. In many different ways, they came to faith in Christ in all kinds of different places, but to hear that they had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We can't be united if we don't start with our relationship with him. Because my relationship with him drives my relationship with you. See, if I love him, I am called to love you. If you love him, you're called to love me, which is really good because I'm not that easy to love. Wait a minute, I was talking about somebody else. I didn't mean me. <laughs> Being united starts. And if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, start there and start now. This thing I'm doing with Next Steps Discipleship, it's even for those who haven't made that decision but are curious about it. We'll sit down and talk about it. Explain it. Understand it. Seek for that to become true. In all. For each of our kids, Jody and I are blessed that each of our kids are following Christ. And each of their spouses are following Christ. And all of the kids knew when they began to get serious in dating someone that they were going to get asked the question. The question was, always. Jody's usually the one who asked it. After meeting them, somewhere in that first meeting, she would say, I just have one question. Do you love Jesus? That's the prayer. That has to be first and foremost. Or we'll never be united. Secondly, it's time to be united by being united with the call and the commission of Christ. I love our, the president of our college, Olivet Nazarene University, Dr. Chenoweth. I love his emphasis on this on graduation weekends. He always talks about they have a baccalaureate service 
and the graduation ceremony. He says the graduation ceremony is the recognition of what you have finished, equipped to do. He said, but the baccalaureate service is our commission for you to do it for Jesus Christ. And he said, we are wrong if we simply focus on you knowing how to do what you think you should do without you understanding you've been commissioned and called by Jesus Christ to do that in the world. I love his emphasis on that. That's what we're looking at here. To be united with the call and commission of Christ. Verse 9 of 1 Peter 3. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called. Have you ever thought about the fact that you've been called to bless others? That part of your calling is to be a blessing to others? Have you thought about what that's like to be a blessing to those who have the same address as you? Or those who are next to your address? Or those you're sitting next to in a church service? That part of your call is to be a blessing to them? Somebody sneezes and we say, God bless you. There's nothing wrong with that. I might want to pray that their allergies go away instead. Bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. But we've been called to be a blessing. See, we're his, God's representatives here. So when we say, God bless you for any reason, what we're really saying is, I need to bless you because I'm his representative here. We have a call and a commission. And you need to understand, each one of us has a specific calling from Christ. There's an individual calling and a universal calling. Each one of us. We've got the universal. We've been called to be his representatives. To tell the world. Be his witness. Right where we are. Right next to us. A little further out and around the world. That's why we talk about missions. That's why we emphasize and celebrate the fact that in the church of the Nazarene. We have ministry in 164 different world areas. That's why we celebrate anybody who is on mission. We've been given that universal call, but we all have an individual call. And it doesn't all look the same. Thank goodness. Being united with the call and commission of Christ, we have to understand that we have also been commissioned to fulfill the call. Sometimes I think we think we've done our work when we identify it. Oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. So my question is, now what? It's great to recognize what you should do. It's more important to do what you should do. My kids got so tired of hearing when they were at home. Something, some chore they were supposed to do. Say, hey, don't forget. And their first response until I trained them out of it was, I know. Well, I had an answer for that. I know you know, now show me you know. 
When I taught school, I didn't really care if they told me they knew. I wanted them to show me they knew. So do the problem. Answer the question. Take the action. In coaching, I know, coach. I don't think you do. You're not doing it. And then I think how many times God looks down at me and says, Dennis, you say you know, but I don't see it. To be united. We need to be united with the call and commission of Christ and then do the call and commission of Christ. Also, if we're going to be united, we need to be united with the followers of Christ. Wherever they are, whoever they are. United with the followers of Christ. Finally, all of you, verse 8 says. I don't know if you're aware of that or not, but when it says all of you, that means all of us. You're not an exception. We're all into that call. Our thinking must be about being united with followers of Christ. One of the beauties, if you get a travel at all and meet some other people who claim, be, claim to be followers of Christ, you can find out pretty quick if we're, because if we unite them, we are. I loved the first mission trip I took was to Honduras and being in a service. And I've told some of you this before. We're in a church service. We were just attending. We weren't doing anything in that service. And we're there. And it was in Spanish. And like I said, I can play Uno, but I, I don't speak it real well. And, you know, we're going and they're singing. It's like Hanukkah knows. All of a sudden, I go, I know that tune. So I'm singing it in English, and they're singing it in Spanish, and we're smiling and rejoicing together. We were united in spirit, and Jody and I went to Kenya a couple of times, and the same thing happened. And I don't even know what they call Uno down there. But to be there and to recognize and to hear and to be united in spirit with others who were followers of Christ. It's got to be our thinking, seeking that unity. And this must be demonstrated. This thinking and this unity with one another must be demonstrated with love. We're told in Scripture to speak the truth in love. We have a tendency to get one or the other right. Either just to love and not speak the truth or speak the truth and not love. We've got to get them married together. Speaking it in love to one another, with one another. That demonstration of loving one another. One of the first Promise Keepers events when they were doing the big national events that I went to in Indianapolis. In what used to be known as the Hoosier Dome. Now it's the RCA something or other. And I don't remember how many tens of thousands of men were there. But I remember a pastor from Indianapolis, Pastor Johnson, who stood up and he said, I have news for you. If God is your father, then I am your brother. To realize we're in this thing together. No matter what our differences may be and our preferences. See, it must be demonstrated with love. Recognizing the love 
showing the love. And there is no room for any kind of abuse that includes ignoring people. Talking about them instead of with them. No room for any kind of abuse, no matter what. For you see, if we're united with them, thinking about it, seeking it, demonstrating it through love, making sure there's no abuse, that creates a blessing. Verse 9 says this, On the contrary, bless, for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. You be a blessing and you receive a blessing. Have you ever noticed that you tend to find what you're looking for? Except in the grocery store. Or when you can't find your keys or your phone, your wallet or your glasses. But what we are looking for, we tend to find. Every time you've gotten a different vehicle, you have begun to notice that suddenly a whole bunch of other people got that same kind of vehicle. Did you notice that? The day before, nobody had one. Why? You're now looking for them. You're seeing them. <laughs> I went to NYC before it was called NYC. That's how old I am. It was in Estes Park, Colorado. Gorgeous setting. I was supposed to send postcards home to my parents. I sent one. We were there 10 days, I think, at that time. And uh, my postcard had a picture of the mountains, which we were literally in them. I don't, I don't remember how far we were up, but we were a long way up, and the other mountains we could see were further up. But I do remember my message to my parents was short and sweet. I wrote to them and said, having a great time in Colorado. The scenery is beautiful, and so are the mountains. As a freshman in high school, you figure it out. <laughs> to be a blessing, what we are looking for, we see. When we look at things that can create a blessing, when we seek to be a blessing, we will see it and therefore obtain a blessing. Let me quickly finish this last point. We need to be united in building relationships with others. Building relationships with others, seeking it. Introvert, extrovert, doesn't matter. We need to be seeking those relationships, seeking ways to connect with one another. You can connect with a smile. You can connect with, it's great to see you. You can connect with, hi, my name is. But we need to be seeking to build relationships with others and be united in those relationships. For you see, we've been called to continue to grow the family so that more and more of you can't sit in your regular spot. That's what we've been called to. I'm not sure about that. Well, read the book of Acts. The first two chapters. 
they went from 120 to 3,120 in one day. Talk about not being able to sit where you want. I'm not talking about the numerical growth. I'm talking about souls being changed by and through Jesus Christ. That's why I celebrate anywhere I see that happening. No matter what name's on the door. We're to continue to grow the family. And to do that, we must reach out and pull in. We have a tendency to skip the first one and do the second one. We have a tendency to skip reaching out and just pull in. Us four no more. Our holy huddles. We're to turn the other way. I've been tempted some Sunday to come in and have all the chairs facing the other direction. <laughs> but I don't have my letter of resignation ready, so I haven't done that yet. <laughs> but my whole thought in that was if we did that, it would simply be a literal demonstration of the fact that we're to be looking out there. That as we go, we go to serve. When you leave today, you are being sent. United together, even as we separate. Because we're going to come back together. See, we reach out and then pull in. We reach out to people and pull them into the family. And the family gets bigger. When Jody and I got married, it was just two of us. And then there was three, then there were four, then there were five. Then they start getting married and start having this wonderful thing called grandkids. And now if we could all get in the same place at the same time, which hasn't happened in a long time, I think it's 19. That's how it should be in the church. That we just keep reaching out to those who don't know and pull them into the family. And if we're not united in that purpose, if we're not united in spirit, it will never happen. So let me ask you this morning in closing, are you living united? There's an interesting word play with the word united. You can take those same letters and spell untied united and untied are the same letters all you do is move the i my prayer this morning is that you move the i wherever you are so that it fits in to being united. First with Christ. Then with one another. And then to our world. How awesome would that be? Father, thank you. For loving us and being united with us. Lord, help us to recognize what you've called us to. Help us to. Realize that you've not only called us, you've commissioned us. And as we go from here today, may we go united in call and commission. May we go 
arm in arm for as long as we can to reach our world and pull them into the family. May we go even as we share in a meal together in a little bit and as we give financially to help some kids go to see that they're not the only ones that are trying to follow Christ, that there's at least 10,000 others. And may they make an impact in the Tampa Bay area while they're there so that they can come home and make a greater impact here and wherever home is for them. Lord, we pray this for these graduates that as they go, they are first and foremost united with you personally and then united in your call. Whatever they're going to do. Lord, may we be united. Help us to drop our differences, to let go of hurts and bitterness, to give and receive forgiveness so that we can be united to reach our world. I pray that for some husbands and wives, some parents and children, some brothers and sisters, some neighbors and church members. It's time to be united. May we go in unity as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.